0: I'm Pastor Turner and uh, welcome to Destiny Church this Sunday. We are continuing in our series, Let's Get It On. And if you've been with us the past couple weeks, uh, Brody kicked off the series and talking about purity and pathways to purity that we can put into our lives and ways to protect ourselves so that we can honor the Lord uh, in every way, both in our thoughts and our deeds and uh, in this area that's uh, so attacked and our culture is so obsessed with this sexualized culture that we live in. And then uh, last week, uh, uh, Pastor Josiah brought us the topic of marriage. And uh, I love his joke that he said. He says, I don't have so many kids because I love kids. I have so many kids because I love my wife. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that kind of sets up what we're going to talk about today. So uh, I had the uh, dubious honor of being uh, tagged with talking to the church about the talk. Um, Talking to our kids about sex. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, I think what happened was, is I have the honor also of being the oldest of the pastors on staff outside of Greg. Uh, He's much, much, much older than I am. Um, And so I just really come alongside to help him um, and hold his arms up and things of that nature. Um, um, When he can't see, I can read for him. And hold, I can hold it. No, I'm just kidding. Now he's going to end up firing me, but um, but because I'm that guy and I have three teenagers, I think they all kind of looked at me and said, "Well, you've done this. Guess what? You get to teach on." <laughs> and uh, if you have teenagers, or if you have been through what I've been through, where you've had to give the talk you know why I'm standing up here with great fear and I've hired people to pray for me outside of the church because this is one of those messages where it could go really crazy and really wrong. Um, And I mean that because I think of back when I actually had to share this talk with my son. By the way, both my teenage kids... Uh, decided not to come to church. They're like, no, we don't want to sit in there. Usually they're in and they support me and they're, you know, like they, we'll talk about the sermon after the message, we go to lunch or something like that. And, and um, they said, no, we, we want nothing to do with this one because we know what you're going to do and they're afraid they're going to be embarrassed. So since they're not here, I'm going to take full advantage of that and embarrass them. Um, they should learn a lesson. No, I'm kidding. But I do remember taking my son out, and, uh, and I'm going to get into some ways that we can start this discussion with our kids in a minute, but I just want to start with this little story, and then we're going to actually pray for the message. But uh, I can remember taking my son out, and, uh, and just like anyone else that's had to give this talk, um, it starts off so promising, and you feel so ready. And then as you begin to talk about the talk, uh, they begin to ask Questions. And very soon you realize that you are becoming more like a ninja, dodging questions and redirecting as not to have to answer because every question that you answer only leads to another question which is going to be deeper and require more uh, explaining. It's kind of like wrestling an octopus there's no winning, you're just going to (laughs) lose. And that's how I feel right now. So, <laughs> let's pray real quickly. God, we thank you today, today for the worship time. It was just beautiful to worship you and to confess out that we will build our house upon you, the immovable rock. And that's what you are this morning, God. You are a rock of our salvation. You are a rock of truth. Lord God, we can build our lives on you and we can trust in your holy word and we can be led by your Holy Spirit in this life. And what a beautiful promise that is, Lord. Today, Lord God, we just ask that you would minister first through the song as you have, then through the fellowship that we will have afterwards. And I ask you, God, to help me in this teaching time that, Lord, you would breathe life into this message, that the principles that I will bring forth, Lord God, will be from you, and that they would be useful to equip and prepare anyone that may find themselves in the position of having to share this information with one of their own children. Lord, we just pray that you would bless our families, that you would protect our families, God. We pray for our youth that are next door with the middle school, that you would just preserve a generation that is sold out completely to you, that you would raise up an army of believers that would stand in truth with boldness and take risks for your kingdom and be used mightily, Lord God, to advance your kingdom in this world. And so God, we lay everything out before you. We ask you to help us this morning and we just give thanks to you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. So as I said uh, earlier, um, I have a couple simple, uh, simple points that I'm going to help uh, allow you to fill in the blanks with. And so if you have an insert, you can break, break it out right now from your bulletin. If you don't have an insert, we have an awesome way. This is a shameless plug right now for Destiny. We have an app. It's the Destiny Church app, and if you get the app and you open the app, you can go to Messages, and they will be the notes that are found in your bulletin there, and you can actually fill them in on your phone. It will save them, and uh, you can have that as well. So if you have your phone, break it out. We'll use that. And, uh, and if I use any scripture verses, you can jump over to your Bible app and all of that as well. Um, I don't have an anchor verse that I, I usually like to have an anchor verse to start with. I don't have one this morning because of the nature of this discussion. But what I want to do is I want to start off just by saying that uh, when you begin to explain something to someone, and it is in relation to how they live, in relation to what God's Word says, it is always useful to start with the explanation of why it is important. Why it is important that you're going to talk about these things. And so my first point that I want to bring out to us this morning is that It needs to be celebrated. We need to celebrate it. And so when we think about this in the sense of uh, how you were raised, oftentimes people in their past experience with whether their church life, their family life, especially if you were raised in a Christian home, the idea or the topic of sex can be completely taboo or completely ignored. Uh, It can also be spoken about in a healthy way. But I have... You know, in my nearly a decade of youth ministry as a middle school youth pastor, uh, I ran into far too many families that were afraid to discuss this with their children. Whenever God celebrates something in his word, it's really a good idea for us to celebrate it as well. It's healthy, it's right, and if God says this is a good thing and he gives it a thumbs up, then maybe we should as well. But how we give that information and how we begin to show that to our children is really important. I just want to read a quick verse for you out of Genesis. This is a couple of verses. Genesis chapter 2. This is what God said back in the beginning. The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all of the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs And then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, they become one flesh. And then in verse 25, it says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So I want to point out something here really quickly. God had this whole idea after he made man that it was not good for him to be alone. Now, I want to focus on this for just a minute because that's an incredibly wise statement that God made. Uh, I think that if man, just man, were left to populate the earth somehow, if God would have done that, we would have ended up killing ourselves. We wouldn't have been able to succeed in populating the earth, for various reasons, obviously, but we just would have killed ourselves. Did you guys know that men have, are notor- notoriously risk-takers by nature? If you ever had a teenage son, you know what I'm talking about. I'm pretty sure that it was a man who invented the wingsuit, If you don't know what that is, someone decided that jumping out of a perfectly good airplane with just a parachute wasn't risky enough. So then they decided to make an outfit where when they would spread their arms out, they would have wings. And so now they could actually fly around sort of like a flying squirrel and then at the last moment open a parachute and enjoy the drop. A man. You don't see women doing these things. Women, they're nurturers. They're preservers. They like things to live. Men, <laughs> we will find a corner of a roof, put a trampoline under it, just to see how high we can get after we jump off of it. There are many doctors who have replaced bones because of that. And you can just uh, go to the emergency room. You'll probably see more teenage boys there than girls. And God said it's not good for a man to be alone if I just want to keep him alive. I need to give him a helper, and so he did, and he gave him woman, and that's a beautiful thing. It's a real gift, but God does make a statement specifically there that he says two things. Number one, he says that man will leave his mother and father and be united with his wife, and they will become one flesh, and that's that's the theology of marriage right there, and we like to call that leave to cleave, okay? So God has, has started off with not only the blessing of giving us a soulmate, a, a, a wife or a husband, a spouse, but he's saying that there's purpose behind it and the initiation of that purpose is that we will leave in order to cleave and to become one flesh. Now, I wish we could just say that to our kids. Well, God said in Genesis, leave, cleave, become one flesh. You'll figure it out, buddy, good job get on your way. But unfortunately, we're not given that, uh, that opportunity. We have to explain some things a little better. But understanding God's principle and the way that he's put things together makes it a little bit easier. When you have God's backing in the conversation, you can have confidence and you can know that when you're speaking these things with the best intentions, with the heart of wanting them to understand and know God a little bit better, that this is actually a good thing. That sex is a good thing. That sex is something that God created. I want to tell you that it's not just a good thing, it's a great thing. Not that it's a great thing, it's a God thing. And that is one of the main reasons why the enemy has tried to capture this area of all of our lives. Brody talked about it with the purity. He's going after men's hearts through their eyes. And now it's increasing in women with pornography. The adultery, uh, the adultery stats are higher than they've ever been. In fact, they did say that they were going down slightly, but that is only because people are choosing not to marry. They're choosing to live together because they do not believe in the institution of marriage as a successful way of entering into a covenant. They've seen failure. They've seen brokenness. They've experienced bondage. And that is what the world is offering, and Satan is surely receiving many victories in this area. But God has put something together that is beautiful that is to be cherished, and it is to be protected. And so we need to be celebrating it. We need to understand that this is something God made that is good, and we need to understand that from the beginning. If you try to legislate morality in your family out of some kind of fear or condemnation, the end result of that will never be what God desires for them. In other words, if you say that sex is a bad thing, it's horrible, and it's not, it's not to be you know, enjoyed, you need to just stay away from it right now. Don't touch that. It's going to hurt you. And by touch that, I don't mean touch it. I mean just think. Anyways. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, if you do that, you're not preparing your children. They're going to go to school, Christian school. Private school, maybe even homeschool, when they get in these co ops, they're gonna be talking about these things. You have to understand that it is not just temptation that is presenting itself to our children. They have hormones that are surging through them. Physiologically, they are being driven by these things from within. And they can be confused to think that because I have these desires, am I in sin? No, you're not being tempted because you have the desire. In fact, even if you have the desire and you find yourself in temptation, temptation is not sin but there's been this movement of repressing we don't talk about it we're not going to discuss it there's healthy good ways to discuss it really good ways but if you try and make something that God says is good bad you're only going to be hurting everyone involved And I do know that this is the case because as someone who's now a young adult pastor and been so for nearly five years, I've done a lot of premarital and a lot of weddings. And there are people, individuals, who have been told their entire life, they've been sheltered from the truth, they've been sheltered from these things, it's been kind of pushed away, they don't, you know, for whatever reason, the parents failed to address it in a real way. And when they get to the marriage, they actually have a hard time being intimate with their spouse, the one whom God has given them to be intimate with, the one that is a gift, and it can cause problems. And it's a real thing. It does happen. Obviously, there's also the other side of it, where it can be so talked about, but yet the reverence in it and what God designed for it, which I'll get to in just a second, uh, can be lost and they can lose the holiness that God desires from it as well. So our first step is that we need to celebrate it. We need to be willing to understand what God has designed and why and how God has designed it. It's to leave, to cleave, and then the instruction was to be fruitful and to subdue the whole earth, to multiply, to have lots of little kids because you love your spouse. Point two that I want to bring about is not just that we celebrate it, but that we talk about it, that we talk about it. And this is important because I believe that there is one conversation about the mechanics of intimacy, and then there is a second conversation that is ongoing that is related to how our kids and our children are to live their lives with this information. Because I think that uh, understanding the mechanics, the birds and the bees, if you will, yes, that's one of those conversations that you do get to have. And then there's a second conversation where it is ongoing. In other words, this whole discussion is not just a one-and-done thing. It's a conversation that, if it's, a, if it's possible, both parents are involved. For instance, my wife, who does this awesome job of this, she, takes, she took my daughters away for the night. They went away to a hotel. They talked about all of these things. And uh, I don't really know everything they talked about because I, was, <laughs> I didn't really want to know. But they came back and they had a clearer understanding of what to expect because changes are going to be happening phys- physically, uh, p- passions are going to be growing, things of that nature, awarenesses are going to be happening. I can remember being a middle school youth pastor and from sixth grade to eighth grade watching these little innocent fifth grade kids who just got into sixth grade coming into the middle school group and they're looking like you know deer in the headlights, oh, where am I, what am I doing? And then by the time they're in eighth grade, completely different kid. And somewhere between sixth and eighth grade, someone flipped a switch and all of a sudden the kid that thought the girls had cooties, I can't keep them from sitting next to the girls. And the girl that thought the guys had cooties, I can't keep her from wanting to look in her mirror and check her makeup and all these things because she wants to make sure she looks good. It happens. Remember this. Transport yourself back to middle school. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? And who else in here is saying kids didn't look the way they look today when I was in middle school? They didn't look that grown up. Man, and I can tell you, as a father of two daughters, I can understand why, how frustrating it is as a parent when we want to impose modesty on our children when you try and go find clothing for them. The clothing is available is becoming less and less modest for younger and younger people. And it's just a sign of our times. But we have to have the conversation, and it has to be looked at as this is an on Going conversation. And so it's got to start with one of those things where I'm going to assess the maturity of my child. For instance, men, if you're talking to your son and you're, you're beginning this conversation with them, there's some things you can discuss with them that is just gonna be over their head or not over their head, where they believe and they know certain things, but they don't know all the truths, but they're still not yet prepared for that information. And so what you may need to do is say, I can tell you this, we're gonna talk about this a little bit later, when you're more prepared. And so you have to be continuously assessing the maturity of your children and what they can and what they cannot receive from you in this area. Proverbs says very clearly, know the conditions of your flock. And that's important to remember because what, is, what that's saying there is, as a parent, in some ways, we're a shepherd over our children. And we have to know the conditions of the sheep that God's entrusted to us for care. And if their hearts can't handle these truths, if they are not yet ready, then we should refrain from it and we should be considerate of where they are and give as it is appropriate. Song of Solomon four says this. I love this verse. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or wake in love until it so desires. Solomon in the Song of Solomon, by the way, which is all about love and romance and sex, it tells us that we should not awaken or arouse love until it so desires. In other words, when it is ready, when it is appropriate, that's when we should begin that conversation with our children. And so I want to encourage you to assess your child. Where where are they? What can they handle? What have they been exposed to? And who is talking to them about these things? This is part of the ongoing conversation. And I would say, avoid shock. Avoid a response of shame. Allow them to come to you and ask anything. Do not act, don't, don't go, huh, who told you that? Try not to do that, please. Because all you're going to do is, when they come up with another question, they're going to avoid going to you. And they're going to go to someone else. And we don't know who they're going to go to necessarily or what they're going to tell them. And no one loves our children like us other than God. Amen? And so we want them to be able to come to us. We want that cultivated relationship with our children. And this goes on by the way. This just isn't with this talk. I've I witnessed this with my wife and her relationship with her own mom. After we were married, I can remember her calling her mom to ask about different aspects of married life. Uh, after we had children, I can remember her talking to her mom, asking her questions. How do I do this with the baby? What do I do about that? What did you do here? And what happens is, is this relationship's cultivated over time. It starts very early, and it goes all the way through, and it's a beautiful thing. And that's what you should want. And so hopefully someday my son will be calling me and talking to me about his wife or his son or his children, and, and my daughters will be speaking to me, and I can Speak to them in love and, and help direct their life as well and for what I've learned. And so it's going to be an ongoing conversation. Secondly, it's, we need to prepare them for what the future can hold for them. The best success for victory in coming to temptations is to help them understand what is coming and to recognize it, why it's harmful, and what the response needs to be. So this is what I'm going to tell you. The best way for someone to be prepared for a temptation that's going to come their way is to know the response before they're faced with it. So this is part of the conversation. They need to know that their friends are going to be discussing certain things. Their friends that may not be Christians are going to be experiencing different things. And they need to be, our children need to understand that when they see that, when they experience that, how they're going to respond to them before they're even in the situation. The best way for you to avoid falling in temptation is to know what the proper response is before you get there. When you, you would do this when it comes to drugs. You would do this when it comes to other areas of their life, wouldn't you? So why wouldn't we do it in this area as well? I mean, I love what 1 Corinthians 10.13 uh, says. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can endure. Now listen, I like to say it this way. When sin comes in the front door, God opens a back door. Okay, he creates a way for us to escape. God creates a way of escape. But if you don't know there's a back door, how are you ever going to use that? If you don't know that God's created a way for you to escape that, how are you ever gonna access it and use it to your advantage to glorify God with your life? We need to prepare our children and help them understand that there are certain things that they are going to be facing in their life. There's certain things that they're gonna be, uh, that are gonna be pressed upon them, pressure from culture, from friends, from the world. And we need to prepare them to expect that and so that when it comes upon them in their life, they're not surprised and they'll experience victory because they're prepared for it and they know the way of escape. This is crucial. It's part of the ongoing conversation. Our children, our youth need to be prepared. And so it's important for us to prepare them. We also need to create a culture of openness and trust. I spoke of that just briefly. But between you and your kids, you will foster the opportunity for them to come to you and even when they stumble or begin down a path that's not what God has designed for them, they can feel free to come to you and they can ask questions and they can even repent. That's a cultivated relationship. It's one of those things that can get dicey because there's always that measurement of truth and grace, isn't there? It's as though I want you to be able to come to me with everything, but then also there's the truth side of what you're bringing to me. And so sometimes when our kids come to us and they share these things, or we, we find them out sometimes, there's always that conversation about I love you, I know God doesn't design, desire this for you, we don't desire this for you, and God has a better way. Unfortunately, there's consequences for these actions. And so that's the truth of part of it. But the grace is, it doesn't change where you stand with me. My love will never wane for you. I will, it will never waver. I am for you. I am with you. And if we have that posture in our kids, pick that up 100%. In fact, a lot of times, they're gonna gravitate to that type of person before any other type. Because they know it's safe And it's truly what they desire. So we need to create an openness and a trust between our children and ourselves. And I just want to do a caveat here. Uh, When we're talking about daughters and sons in this area, daughters, fathers, when you speak to your daughters, it is crucial that they understand how beautiful and valuable they are. I don't think you can tell your daughters enough how much you love them and how beautiful they are and how valuable they are to you. I just don't think you can do it. I think that that is something that has been lacking in our culture for many years. I think the lack of fathers in families contributes to that. And you have a a golden opportunity to build the esteem of your daughter up and give and instill in her a confidence because she does not question your love for her and she knows that because you love her and you're for her, she will be willing to do whatever God asks of her and she will take great risk and she'll have confidence that she needs to go forward. She won't find it in some other relationship. She won't find it somewhere else And the opinions of others. Those will exist, they will, but you can definitely strengthen her in that area by telling her how beautiful she is, telling her how valuable she is, telling her how much you love her and thanking God for her. And parents, for your sons, we need to encourage our sons to embrace what a biblical man is. I think this has been lost also. In fact, there's a a phrase now that's kind of come around the last couple months of beta male. And it just turns my stomach. And I understand what they mean by it, but I do believe that when we talk to our sons, we need to help them understand that God's call on their life as men is to be men who are called to be protectors and providers. That if we can raise our sons to understand that in their hearts that God has it placed upon them to be a protector and a provider, they will have more than they've ever imagined in the sense of confidence, focus, because what will happen is things will begin to filter through those lenses And how they treat other people, how they enter into relationships, how they treat their future wife, their girlfriends, and those natures. Those things will all be filtered through that. But if we fail in that area, if we don't tell our daughters how beautiful and valuable they are, and we don't tell our sons how God's called them to provide and to protect, what will happen is they'll adopt the world's view on these things, and they're completely opposite of all of those things. The world tells a man, you use that woman. The world tells a woman... You do what you need to to get his attention. It's all broken, and it's all mixed up. Lastly, I just want to say this, and this can be a challenge, is that we want to model it. We want to model it. As a couple, the best example that you can give your kids is a good example of how you love one another. Now, obviously, this is going to be an ongoing thing, but even though your kids may say to you, when they see you hug and kiss in the kitchen, when they see you guys show affection, when they see you hold hands, they might oogle or whatever or make fun of you. I believe deep down inside when they see that there is great comfort and encouragement and happiness that is put upon them. They see parents that are looking towards one another, embracing one another, connected, demonstrating affection that's good and pure and loving. If we can model it, They're going to have for themselves something to expect when they begin to leave your house and begin to enter into relationships and all of those things. And so you see here that it's not just a talk. It's a conversation that goes throughout the life of our children. And we should be prepared. We should understand. We should know where they are. We should know what the culture is trying to say to them, what their friends are saying to them. It takes observation. It takes involvement. And it takes lots and lots of prayer. Amen? Amen. Won't you pray with me as we close out here? Father God, I thank you this morning for just the love and the grace that you've given each one of us. And that Lord, many of us sit here this morning and some of us are beyond this. We've, we've had this talk and our kids have moved on and, and you've given grace in that area. And I just pray that, that the person in that situation would just make themselves available to help to pray for the young families around them. And those of us that are sitting here that are not yet married or don't have children and it's something down the road, may you tuck these truths away into our hearts and may we meditate on them later and think about them. And at the right time, if you should bring a spouse and children to us, may we have access to them. And for any person in here this morning who's in that spot, any couple, any single mom or single dad that's raising their children may you equip us to bring glory to you in our families may you give us grace as we approach the subject may you cause our children's hearts to be open and may you allow there to be just a good connectedness that's divine from a touch of your holy spirit god for lord we want to be a strong witness in a dark world and this is such a powerful way to be that. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and we've been talking about how parents can relate to their children. And there really is no love like a parent for their child. But there's really no greater love than the love of the heavenly father to his heavenly children. And maybe you're sitting here this morning through the worship time and In the transition and in this message your heart's just been pounding that there's something more for you it all starts when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you allow God to become your heavenly father and you ask him to forgive you of all of your sins and to take the place of God in your life and Lord and fill you with his Holy Spirit it's a step of faith And maybe you're even sitting there and you know that you have been entrusted with children, but you have not been able to lead them well because you don't follow Him. And so you have to start there. And so if that's you, I just want to encourage you to pray with me right now. God, I see that you are my Heavenly Father, and I want you to be my Heavenly Father. And I ask you to just cleanse me of all of my sins. And bring me into your family. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And give me your desires and passions. Give me your love for my family. And I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.